Welcome to episode 30 of the Warrior Pulse podcast. I am your host, Trey Heath. I'm at the starting box. I am waiting for the gentleman to tell me it is your tea, sir. We are going to dream of a beautiful draw down the center of the fairway to, because today we have Katie Hill, women's golfer extraordinaire here at Weber International University. So we're hoping that we have many great putts that lead us to many birdies. And since this is episode 30, Katie and I were just talking about how much we would love to shoot a 30 on a front nine of a golf course. Or maybe the back nine of a final round would be as good as well. Katie, welcome to the podcast. Um, thanks for joining us. As we're approaching the end of the semester here, uh, golf's kind of wrapping up. The majors have started around the world for men and women. Um, and you are from the home of golf. Where are you from exactly? Um, I'm from Presswick in Scotland, which is where the Open first originated. So I've been surrounded by golf all my life there. What uh, What is it like being kind of in the epicenter of what started golf? Um, it's pretty motivating because everyone around you is interested in golf or has some sort of history like family-wise there. And then my town gets extremely busy in the summer months with Americans. And people travel from all over to see Scotland play golf there. There's more golf courses in the town than anywhere else in Scotland. Wow. All right. We're going to talk about golf in Scotland and kind of the Lynx golf versus American, what, what we see in golf. Um, currently, you're a sophomore here at Weber. You're studying uh, strategic marketing. Um, we've actually had a few of our guests that study strategic marketing. What's the best explanation that you can give with regards to what strategic marketing is and how are you planning on using it later? It's all about the placement of your brand or what you're trying to promote and getting it to the right place at the right time. So where you're placing it determines like who's going to see it. Um, and I want to try and keep in the sports industry and go down the route of golf marketing with like my dream job being working in West Palm Beach for the PGA um, and doing all their marketing for the players and events. Nice. Very nice. Yeah, that would. It's not a bad place to uh, to be. Um, West Palm. I actually worked down there one summer at the Palm Beach Polo Club, and uh, it's very pretty. So you have a very a very unique story of how you ended up at Weber. Do you mind sharing that with us? Yeah, of course. Um, we were out here visiting a couple of other schools around Florida. Um, I wanted a smaller school compared to some of the other ones where it was more like a family because I'm so far away from home. Um, guaranteed, you want to try and play. You don't want to be in a roster when it was huge. Um, so when I was out visiting, my grand died and Weber was the only school that I didn't come and visit. So I kind of took it as a sign and I ended up here. Very. So because of the passing of your grandpa, you ended up here because this is the place you thought? Yeah. Yeah. That's that's correct. You know, I can tell you, it doesn't matter how you end up here. We're just glad you you, you came. So, um, last this spring, you made the dean's list, or uh, or how does that school is so much different in the European world? Is there any like, hey, I made the dean's list? Does that does that resonate back home? No, no, not at all. I told my dad, and he just came to. It was well done. <laughs> well, here in the states, we're really proud. Congratulations. <laughs> um. Golf's been an important part of your life. Uh, before you played golf, you had an interesting, I didn't even know this was a thing back in Scotland, but uh, tell me what you did from the youth until your teenage year. Um, I started ice skating when I was three. Um, so I figure skated till I was 13. 
Yeah, it took a little injuries, so kind of gave that one off. And is is ice skating big in Scotland? Huge. Is it really? Yeah. That okay. I'm talking. I feel like I feel like I've missed out because I, I feel like I watch the Olympics and I see I don't remember seeing any like my coach played in the Olympics. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. So I've learned something new today. <laughs> I, I I think that's awesome. Um, when you got into golf, how did you know that was the sport for you? Um, well, when I quit ice skating, I went into field hockey and I kept getting red carded because I had a golf swing <laughs> and my dad <laughs> played golf. So I ended up just, I went, I hated golf all my life because it was all around me. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I decided to go to the driving range with my dad one day and I went, okay, it's not that bad. And I started getting into it and things went from there. All right. For those that don't know, uh, I had to learn what field hockey was. In the Northeast and kind of there, are a, field hockey is a huge sport here in the United States. Up in the Northeast, your Northeastern schools, Division One, Division Three, it's a very big sport. We don't play it down here in our area. I don't really know why, but it's not a big sport. Yeah. But it is a worldwide sport. Um, mostly women play field hockey. And exactly what it is, they're sticks. So when she says she has a golf swing, you're playing usually off the ground. And she is taking full bore on a nine iron to the green. So... Um, <laughs> It doesn't work out well. But uh, you got into golf, you started playing, and all of a sudden you're winning your club championship and you're playing national tournaments. What did that, how long was that transition from ice skating, okay, I'll go hit with you on the driving range, to all of a sudden you're doing this? Um, I kind of started playing around 13, 14, um, but nothing serious. And then when I turned 15, I decided, okay, yeah, let's give it a go. Started playing more events. Um, in Scotland there's like a national development squad which is your first step before you make the national team so I got selected for that when I turned 16 and um, played that really enjoyed it it was good being surrounded by a team and um, things kind of went from there started entering events started winning some and was like okay this is pretty good and then it just kind of went from there and I ended up out here yeah I want to I want to ask that because there's so many golfers around the world um and not all of them decide to come to the U.S. to go to college because most most countries don't have the availability of playing college sports. Yeah. You either play amateur and then try to go pro, or if you are fortunate enough to come to the U.S., you can play golf. What led you to, hey, I think I want to go to the States and play college golf? Um, I had kind of started talking to some coaches from out here, and then my family friends are all out here. Um, I started uni at home for about three months. It wasn't for me. Like, it was just nine to five working. Mm. That's the way it was. So, I decided that I wanted to come out here and obviously you want to be somewhere where you can play golf all year. Like, winters at home are cold and last forever. Yeah. Um, so, Florida seemed the best bet. And the fact I could get my degree at the same time as playing, it was a hundred times better than going at home where you don't have sports teams. Yeah, and, and that is that is one of the... I mean, I, obviously that's the answer I'm looking for, but but I think it's incredible that you can... You're good enough that you can go pursue playing a game that you enjoy and get a degree. So, hey, why not, you know? And um, you talked about the winters. Is it true that the sheep still have access to a lot of the courses in Scotland? Yeah. Yeah, and that's how the bunkers are created, correct? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Um, yeah, there is a lot of wildlife on the courses, though. 
um, but the winters are bad. Yeah. But everyone still plays. Like you'll play in the rain, the snow, whatever. You're gonna, you're not gonna miss your tea time. Yeah. If you if you've never had the opportunity to watch the Open Championship because it's not the British Open, it is the Open because and it's also hosted by Her Majesty the Queen. Um, it is the largest. It's the one of the oldest golf tournaments in the world. They're playing for a little jug. Literally, they're playing for a little cleric jug on the men's side. And if you don't get, the, if you haven't watched golf over there, they play. It's sleeting almost, and they're still playing. And the fans don't go home. What is the, what is the draw? Is it just normal? So the fans stay. I mean, it's crazy watching the open. I think there is certain limits. Like, so when it gets up to, I think it's sixty miles per hour ones, you'll get taken off. Okay. Uh, the Open got postponed two years ago for once because it was at St Andrews and it was like a hurricane. It was horrific. Do you ever go? Yeah. Okay. Uh, St Andrews is only two hours from my house. Royal Troon, we can walk there in ten minutes. No way. Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. Now, do you get to play those courses? Yeah. Really? Just as a normal public? Uh, it's not public, but as long as you know a member, you're good to go. And most okay. most of the clubs around us, you know someone. Okay. So... I want to talk about the difference between European courses and American courses because I think for a lot of us, we just go out to our local course and we play and there's houses around or there's beautiful trees and they're manicured and they're, I mean, golf courses in the United States are just absolutely breathtaking. You go to Scotland and England and you are getting a true test of golf and it's also called Lynx Golf. Explain the difference because in America, we play nine holes, we go to the clubhouse, we grab a beer, we grab a sandwich, and then we sit for 20 minutes and we go back out. Explain to me the difference between my country club golf and pure Scottish Lynx golf. Probably the biggest thing for me is you don't get golf carts at home. Uh, you only really get them if you're like over for a vacation, you'll take one out. Um, but Lynx golf is, I find it easier. But it should be a lot harder. But if that's what you've been playing on, it's going to be easier. But you never want to hit a high golf ball. Um, most of the time you're hitting down cliffs. There's the beach right beside you. There's hills everywhere. Putts break constantly. There's no flat greens. Like, you have to think about every other shot rather than out here where it can be a straight hole. And you're like, okay, drive or nine iron. You're on the green to putt, you're good. But... Out here, you kind of become quite relaxed because the courses aren't as hard. So you can end up scoring worse off out here than you do at home because you have to have constant focus. And the and there, a lot of times, it's hard to discern the difference between the fairway and the green because some of the greens are <laughs> yeah. massive. Like imagine like this is a green in the U.S. and this room is a green in Scotland. But yeah. I mean, the courses are beautiful, and I've I have not had the opportunity. But our former president used to go to Scotland and play Scotland and England and play he's played many of the courses um he was a golfer and that was his yearly they would go over and play and uh, we have many stories of the beauty of Scottish golf so um I'll do a little tourism here if you get the chance please visit Golf Scotland and go play some of their wonderful golf courses uh you talked about growing up in the kind of the history of the game do you appreciate the history of golf in a way yeah um, but you tend not to appreciate it until you're telling someone about it. Like when I'm telling someone about my hometown or like when you go to San Andreas for the day and you're walking where golf completely began, you're like, wow, yeah. And when you walk down Old Creswick, they had the first ever open tournament there. 
you're suddenly walking down and you're like, this is where it began, wow. But most of the time, no. Yeah, yeah. I can I can appreciate that. I mean, we have Disney World and I never yeah. go. You know, it's the same thing. So I, I understand. Um, it, it appears that the country embraces that that's kind of their thing. Mm-hmm. And the appreciation, I think the the... For us, the average fan watches the Masters, the U.S. Open, but I think they appreciate the sport. Yeah. And I think that's I think that's awesome. I have a great appreciation for the the Scottish European golf fans. Um, what's the prettiest place you've ever played golf? Ooh. And you can go you can go two different. You can go here and you can go there because I know it's different. Okay, at home I'm gonna have to say that it was a course at Tarnbury. Uh, at South Stand and it's Links Golf you're playing towards the, pl- the hotels behind you the lighthouses down there it's all on the water oh wow like you're hitting over the cliff across the ocean you can see everywhere it's gorgeous and then second one would probably have to be the Montgomery at Max Royal in Turkey it's where the Turkish Open's held and really? it's outstanding yeah it's okay. gorgeous it's, pre- it's inland parkland but it's a tough tough track it's hard okay now we've talked about the prettiest places. Where would you like to play that you've never played? Pebble Beach, hundred percent, hundred percent, or Myrtle Beach. Okay. Because when my family went to Myrtle Beach, I didn't play golf. Really? Mm-mm. And I didn't appreciate it at all. I didn't want to be there. But uh, now I'm dying to go and play all the courses. Yeah. But Pebble Beach is just—you want to play there. Yeah, you watch that on TV. Yeah. It's breathtaking. I, for me, I, I've, I've even told my my players. One of my former athletes from a different school, he runs, his family runs the Virtual Eye Golf that does all the 3D animation mm-hmm. for the European Tour. And they, I was watching the tournament one day from Kranz, Montana, Switzerland. And I'm like, is this place really that pretty? And he's like, yeah, it's, it's that pretty. So that's where I want to go play golf. I'm terrible, but it was just <laughs> breath, like just to take in the scenery yeah. would just be outstanding. Um, you talked about you want to play at Pebble Beach. I've got a quote for you, and I want to know how you feel about this. Of all the hazards, golf hazards, you have bunkers, you have water, you have trees, rough. Of all the hazards, fear is the worst. That's from Sam Snead. What do you feel about that? 110%. Your head is your biggest obstacle on a golf course. Like, you could be hitting perfect shots, and halfway through your backswing, you're like, this is going right. You're going to miss the green. (laughs) But you have to have the focus in your head for like six hours sometimes and you get terrified and if you're standing up and you see like 50 yards of water you know you can hit over the water but you're like this is going on and if you're thinking it is going to do that i got a i've got a i've got an amateur golf question for you i'm a i'm a terrible golfer love golf i used to when i would see water i would grab a spare ball instead of my good ball what am i telling myself at that point if you're taking a spare golf ball, you're telling yourself you need it. You're going straight in the water. Yeah, yeah. The easiest thing to do is just stand up, be confident, and say, this is going on the green. I, I can't disagree. It's, it's harder just It's to... like It's like you can play, it can be a wide open course, there's a bunker in front. You are never going to hit that bunker in a million years. That bunker's in front, you're going in the bunker. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, golf is, I have so much appreciation for golf. I coach tennis, but I've always said golf is the most honorable sport because in tennis we call someone else's errors yeah in golf you call your own errors <laughs> and, and and it's like people have lost tournaments because they've 
called stuff on themselves. Yeah. I mean, we just saw in the in the in the Masters. I mean, he was not going to make the cut anyway. But Matt Wolf signed the wrong scorecard. Mm-hmm. He's the huge, and it's like those that that such an honorable game, and and from how it started in in such a a royal fashion with with it starting over in Europe and in England and uh, in Europe and England and Scotland. It's like you you say, yeah, it's it's just got that. A stiff upper lip, you know, yeah. and, and you think that way. I got another quote for you. Golf is good for the soul. You get so mad at yourself, you forget to hate your enemies. And that's from Will Rogers. What do you, what do you think about that? That's an extremely true quote. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're the only person you can get. It's not, it is a team sport in a way, but it's not. Yeah. The only person you have to get angry at on the course is yourself. Yeah. Which is then where it deteriorates from there if you're getting angry nothing's gonna work but it's hard not to because there's no it's not like football where you can say oh they should have passed to me and like yeah that was the wrong club yeah do you ever feel like do you ever feel like it's actually harder to compete against yourself like it doesn't matter that you go out with someone else that has the same score as you and you're teeing off at 10.02 and you're ready to go you're really not playing them you're really, you're really playing yourself. Do you find that more difficult, or do you find it easier just to say it's just me? Sometimes I find it easier because it's just you. You're not disappointing anyone else. But other times, like it's nice to have the girls like before you tee off, and it's good luck you've got this. Like it's better that way. But at the end of the day, you're only trying to beat yourself. So the back of your head, like, so we play, usually it's two rounds on one day, back to back, and then the third round's on the third, the second day. So you tee off, say, on one, you play your 18, you're back on one, and you're like, okay, I made a four here. Yeah, yep. Or if you've had a really bad hole, and you're like, yeah, I had a double here earlier, and you're like, okay, need to do better than that. Yep. I completely, I completely get it. All right, three easy questions. One, what's your favorite club, and why? Here or at home? No, your favorite club. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, probably driver. Driver. Yeah. Are you a fader, drawer, or straight? I draw everything. Oh, you draw everything. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Second, is Scottish food as unique as we all think? I've had the opportunity to meet Neil. Neil and I go way back. Yeah. And please explain to me what haggis is and if I should try it. Oh no. <laughs> um, it's sheep intestines. Okay. Um, it tastes better than it sounds. We, I only like it like for breakfast with a potato scone. Okay. That's the only way I can eat it. But so you don't even really want it. Okay. I, do you know, I love the taste of it. I just don't like knowing what it is. Okay. Um, but yeah, Scotland's pretty unique. Like most of our foods, like grown ten minutes from your house, and it goes straight into like the fruit and veg shop. Um, Iron Brew is a soda everyone drinks. I don't really like. What's it, it called? Iron Brew. Can I translate it to Iron Brew? Yeah. That, oh, okay. that, that's that. <laughs> okay. Okay. What What is it? What is it similar to? Do we have something like that in the states? It's kind of like Fanta that's went out of date. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> that's the only way to describe that. <laughs> All right. Um, and then. So a Mars bar is like a Snickers without the nuts in it, uh-huh. and they deep fry them. Really? Mm-hmm. That, that's a that's a Scottish. Oh, okay. I've never tried it. No. Mm-hmm. Okay. Last last funny question here is, like you said, you play two rounds in a day, and 
I'm a recreational golfer, and you know, for us, we have to be able to drink beer while we're playing because we play better until a certain point, and then we pass that on. But snacks are important on golf. Mm-hmm. I'm a peanut butter cracker guy. What is the number one snack food for a golfer, collegiate golfer, while they're walking their 18 or 36? Usually, like cereal bars, little bites. Okay. They became oh. a kind of staple recently. Pop tarts, little bites. Yeah. Okay. Um. Beef jerky. Oh. Uh, anything that kind of keeps our sugar levels up because it's so easy to dehydrate out there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes like gummy bears. No one really eat. You're never gonna eat a sandwich or something. Okay. Um, sometimes if you're really really hungry, yeah. But other than that, it's usually just something you can pick at for a few holes. Okay. Perfect. Last question, and we'll go back to serious for a moment. Um, not necessarily what does it mean to be a warrior, Weber warrior, but what does it mean to you to be a warrior? And coming from Scotland, you know, we all have the great movie, Braveheart, that we've all seen. So we know what a warrior is in the movies. What does a warrior mean? What does it mean to be a warrior to you? Trying to achieve all that you can. Like, never just give something 20%. It's 110% every time you get the opportunity. Like, we're out here representing the school. Very good. Well, I think we've hit it dead solid perfect. We're eyeing up a birdie right now, and it's time for us to hit the snack bar. We Thanks for joining us on the Warrior Pulse, episode 30, and we will see you next time. Bye-bye.